everybody. Uh, first, Happy New Year. Um, I'm Lynn Clark, and I wanted to um, tell you a, a scripture that is very important to me. It is Romans 5, 1 through 5, um, and it is, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And this next section is a part that means most to me. Um, not only so, but we also glory, glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So um, this verse is important to me. Um, as I was married once before, I have two children, um, and it was during my second pregnancy when my husband and I got separated, and this verse was what I needed to help me get through it, um, knowing that um, it was a difficult time for me, so the suffering, uh, which is where all this comes into, um, produced character in me and then gave me hope. And that's what I needed to get through this difficult time. Um, also, when my son was diagnosed with leukemia, that also helped me as well going through that. Um, so that's basically my favorite verse, and uh, I hope that it encourages you. Thank you. God, I, uh, I thank you for Lynn. Lord, I thank you for... The courage you gave her to allow us to share her story. Father, I thank you for the character that has grown in her through, through the years. Father, I thank you for... Um, Father, for this series, Lord, I pray for the young people, young in age, young in their years as Christians, Lord, that would be watching this series or watching this sermon or hearing this story, Father, and... Lord, life has a way of causing us to be disillusioned and causing us to run away and to cave to the pressure. Um, so, Father, I pray for the people you've entrusted us with, Lord, that this would be an encouragement to them, a reminder to them that perhaps you define peace differently. Perhaps we as Christians look for peace in different places or in one place. Lord, would you speak to our people, my people, these people. In your name, Jesus, amen. For my kids who have been Christians maybe for two to five years, depending on the kid, peace for them is waking up on school vacation week and playing Xbox at 7.30 in the morning before they brush their teeth or change their underwear. <laughs> but what's peace in the adult world? What's peace for somebody like Lynn, who in one video can mention the word peace, leukemia, and divorce? Is peace the absence of being caught? Like, I'm at peace with my boss until she finds out. Is, is peace money? But what happens when money goes away? Is peace good health? What happens when you have a year dominated by a pandemic? What is 
peace. I saw this on, on social media shared by two different pastors that caught my attention. A poll by Gallup. They did a, a study on mental health, and they do it every year. Uh, and they, they looked at those in, 19, in 2019 that would, that would classify themselves as having excellent mental health. And then they did the same study with people uh, in 2020, how many people still classified themselves as having excellent mental health. They saw those saying excellent decreasing in every single area. You have political affiliation, you have, uh, you have gender, you, you have race, you have marital status, age groups, you have uh, household income. In every single area, mental health classified as excellent decreased except for those attending church on a weekly basis. That was the only place that saw an improvement in mental health in 2020. Why? Why is this a benefit? Why is a relationship with Jesus a benefit? How and why does it impact peace of mind? Peace that transcends all understanding. Today, I want to look at how peace for followers of Jesus helps us navigate this broken world. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In this series, we're going to look at, at, at passages that are meaningful to seasoned Christians. People that have been Christians longer than many of us have been alive. What's meaningful to them? And I want us to ask the question, why would this passage be meaningful to somebody who has walked this planet as a Christian perhaps longer than we have been alive? Three words. That, that would give Lynn cause to pause. Three words that for you and I should bring jubilee. My, my mom bought me these shoes for Christmas. They're dudes. I'm wearing them for the first time today. I can say three words and they become my dancing shoes. They become my, ooh, these are good words. It should bring us all a sense of joy, a sense of pause. Peace with God. That you and I, broken humanity, have peace with God. You can't bring about perfection in and out of yourself to have peace with holy God. You can't manipulate or have any amount of relationships that will bring you peace with God. Well, I'm friends with the pastor. Ooh, or I've gone to the priest. There is no earthly relationship that can bring you peace with God. You can't gain perfection. You can't declare yourself righteous despite trying to. There is but one way through the Lord Jesus Christ. As the verse says, nothing you can do, yet everything he did lived perfectly, died in your place, took the wrath of God meant for you on himself, canceling the debt of our sin, dying perfect holy God in our place that we might have three beautiful words. Peace with God. Our big thought for this experience, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in this room, is peace is yours if and only if Jesus is yours. You can have peace. The only peace that has any value in our lives and value for all of eternity, the only peace that truly matters is yours only if, and if, 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 if Jesus is yours. Peace is yours if Jesus is yours. Jesus said it himself. 
John 14, he's about to go to the garden. He's about to be arrested. He's about to hang on the cross. And he tells his disciples, peace I leave you. Peace I'm giving you. But then he says this, if you know the verse, I do not give as what? The world gives. Jesus said it before he left planet Earth. Before everything went to all turned upside down in the garden, what does he do? He tells his disciples, you will never find peace here on planet Earth. Where the world looks for peace, you will not find it. The peace that I give you, the peace that has any amount of worth, any amount of value, is going to be different than anything you can find here. So in Romans, these remaining verses, 2 through 11, chapter 5, verses 2 through 11, Paul is going to express now four benefits that are ours in Christ Jesus as we have peace with God in the midst of this broken world. The first benefit is true, true, true access. He says this, through him, we also have obtained access by what? Faith into this grace in which we stand. Grace, the unmerited, unearned favor of God. I saw somebody today with a mask that says grace wins. Amen to that. Grace, that, that we, this, if you know the original language, if you're one of the original audience reading this, you would know the language here is that of royalty. That, that you and I can't go to the over office right now. You can't knock on the door and have, and have a meeting. You can't go give the queen a fist pump over in England. You don't have that access to that sort of royalty. But, but you and I have access to the king of kings, lord of lords. Why? Not on anything we did. We obtained it through what? Faith. Faith in the work of Jesus Christ. He did something. He brings us perfection. And if you want access to God, you have to say, faith in Jesus Christ. I have faith in Jesus Christ, and that has obtained you this, this room, this presence with God, not through your perfection, but through Christ's perfection. And, and what I love about this, too, is that as I know Scripture, for God so loved the world, he gave that shows me he wants your presence. That shows me he desires you, desires me. So as he canceled the debt, have you heard like, I've done my debt to society? They've paid their debt to society. We can maybe understand that. I've done something wrong, and I paid my speeding ticket. My debt to society is paid. I've done something wrong. I've done my jail time. My debt to society has been paid. But it doesn't mean you have complete access. Because you still have the offended party. You bully my kid in school. You get suspended for a few days. You've done your debt to society. Doesn't mean I invite you over for dinner. Because I still find you to be offensive. But in the finished work of Jesus Christ, he no longer finds you offensive. Because God looks at you and sees Jesus. And he has never found Jesus to be offensive. And so the guilt of our sin has been removed. The offense of our sin has been removed. And what do we obtain through faith in Jesus Christ? Access. Access to the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Look at this 13-second video from my Monday morning. Do 
two boys that got an Xbox 360 video game for Christmas. School vacation week. They woke up Monday morning playing video games. Someday I'll play it at their wedding. Proof that they were once spooning on a couch uh, on a Monday morning. Uh, they haven't even gotten dressed. My one kid doesn't have shirt, a shirt on. He has a blanket. I don't even know if he's wearing pants. He hasn't brushed his teeth. Hasn't changed his undies. Who knows what's going on? But they have access to re-roaming around the freedom in my house to be waking up on a school vacation week and playing video games. Your kid doesn't have that freedom to come to my house at 7.30 in the morning, rip off his shirt, and play some video games. That is weird on so many different levels, but it's not weird for my kid because he has access. He has freedom. He has privilege. They have that. The day before, they all, all three of them got in trouble. All three of them the day before. At one point, got a timeout. All three of them the day before had privileges taken away, TV, Xbox, tablets. They, all of them had a world of a day. They did their time. I'm not waking up the next morning and beating them over the head being like, well, I still find you offensive, so it sucks to be you. I No, 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 no. Their access and their privilege as a family member in my house means, here you go, you still have freedom. We, we say things like, I'm not going to let so-and-so affect my peace. Have you ever said anything kind of like that? What does that mean? Well, I'm not going to let so-and-so impact my peace. What that means is I find so-and-so to be offensive, and I'm not going to let them impact my peace of mind, so I'm going to distance myself. It's offense and distance. I'm not going to let so-and-so impact my peace. Distance. What if we replaced that statement and started looking at peace a little bit differently. I'm only going to let Christ impact my peace. I'm only going to let Christ impact my peace and start looking at proximity. If you treat a relationship with Jesus like a fad, a season, a chapter, something cool to do when you are younger, something cool to do when you, to get out of trouble, you don't understand that God has often offered broken you, broken me, broken us, complete access to God, holy God almighty, through the person of Jesus Christ. And to that we say amen. The second, the second benefit that we have as Christians who have said yes to Jesus, peace is yours. If Jesus is yours, the second benefit is secured hope. He says this, Paul goes on and says, and we rejoice in hope the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces what? Endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This is a word that ultimately this word suffering, this, this word for hardship, would, would indicate pressure. The original audience would see and understand pressure, pressure, pressure. How many Christians have you known to leave the church? How many Christians have, have walked away from a place of faith? Why? Because the pressures of life came their way and they were disillusioned. They defined peace as there shouldn't be any pressure. So many people act out as a version of caving into pressure. What Satan, when, when pressure happens on, on the righteous and the unrighteous, on Christians and non-Christians, pressure is just an element of life. Satan wants to use it to tear us down, to cave. What I see here is that Christ uses it as a platform to build our endurance and build our character. 
build endurance happens through pressure. Right? Endurance. Well, I've endured through my vacation. That doesn't, what? That's not endurance. I'm enduring through my promotion. Not what? Endurance means that there is something, there's an element of pressure, there's an element of struggle. You endure through struggle. And what does it do? It then proves character. It's proven character, built over the challenges of a lifetime. Character is born, not in a moment, but over the course of right decision after right decision after right decision. Too many of us hang on the fact that, you know what, I went to crew when I was in college. And that is my Christian faith back in the day. Or you know what, I have a good marriage. 16 years ago, I bought my wife flowers. So, no, what he is talking about here is time after time, proving character that can show that you have endured through all of life's struggles. And your character is being proven in that. True peace is not the absence of pressure or hardship. But yet so many of us define it that way. That is not God's definition. And so if that is your definition, you and God are not on the same page when it comes to peace. As I grow in character, I realize more and more that I am not God. I realize that my brokenness, and, and I become more and more, and my thankfulness for God increases as I remember that I have hope, that this is not my home. I don't hope for a better tomorrow. I know of a better eternity. Amen. And so this is where character is built. This is a picture that I have shared, I have shared before. This is my, my son, Landon, my firstborn, who is now 10 years old. When he was firstborn, he had, it wasn't a major medical thing, but in the moment, as a first-time parent, it felt like a major medical issue. And so he was in the NICU for the first 20, or actually the, really the whole time in the hospital, most of the time in the hospital. Ava, who had given birth to her firstborn son, wasn't able to hold her son for the first 24 hours. I was able to go into the NICU, and I think it was my mom that caught this picture of my baby boy hearing my voice and his little fingers wrapping around my finger. And he turned out to be a healthy baby boy. But I remember leaving that hospital and being like, I don't even know how to keep a dog alive. And I have a kid. What direction do I wipe his butt? I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue how, I'm going, how we're going to do this. Ava and I are both tons of anxiety as we're about, like, how do I get the car seat in the car? And I just remember praying with her. I was like, you know what? The God that says that you're going to give us the promised land and tear down Jericho, he can do it. The God that says I'm going to give you the promised land and he's going to literally move the waters, he can do it. The God who is faithful through the ages is going to be faithful for us as we move forward. And then um, a year or so later, our first miscarriage. Mental, emotional hardship. Fast forward many years later, 2020, as it kicked you in the pants, as it kicked us in the pants, as I found myself going on prayer walks being like, God, I'm done. <laughs> Wawa looks great right now. Walmart looks fantastic. I am out. But yet, through God's faithfulness, I can look at our staff, the last staff meeting of the year, and say, you know what, I don't know how, don't know why, but I love our church more now than I did at the beginning of 2020. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. And so you ask any Christian, where do they grow the most 
Where do they grow the most? They're going to point to struggles. They're going to point to hardships. They're going to point to pain and say, that's where my faith grew. When if you ask Lynn, it's going to be all the things that she mentioned in that video. Here's what I need us to know, men and women of Wellspring. Suffering becomes unbearable when it's linked to my hope. Suffering must be detached from my hope to build my endurance. If my kids are my hope, life will happen and suffering will be unbearable. If my hope is in my finances, life will happen and my hope it will be unbearable. If my hope is in my marriage, life will happen and suffering will become unbearable. But my hope is in the eternal rock who is Jesus Christ. On this solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. It has to be detached. You'll never find eternal hope here on earth until you find it in the person of Jesus Christ. Lynn knows that she is not the great fix. She worships the carpenter who is still in the building process. She's not called to be the fix. She's called to be obedient because her hope rests in Jesus. The third thing, the third benefit that I think Paul expresses here, peace is yours if Jesus is yours, that third benefit is unashamed love. And hope does not, uh, ho- and, and hope does not put us to shame because God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at just at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person. One would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you have the Holy Spirit, you've said yes to relationship with Jesus. At first, you were offensive to God. You were at war with God. But then you said yes to Jesus. He, his blood washes over you and you are clean and you are perfect. So the Holy Spirit is now able to live inside of you as a purely clean vessel So the Holy Spirit lives inside you, and guess what? It is a daily reminder that God will not put you to shame, that you will one day stand before God of all might and not be put to shame. If you have the Holy Spirit, you don't hope for shame. No one hopes for that. You know that you can stand before God. And when did he prove this? When did he prove his love for us? While we were still sinners. When we were powerless. When we were on the executioner's block. When we were guilty as all get out. He died in my place. Paul says that's the highest form of love. Like you watch Fox News, you watch CNN, you watch a news outlet, and you'll hear about molesters. You'll hear about people that killed, people that raped, people that you, you, whatever society wants to classify as the sin of all sins, who would dare die for one of those news articles? The sin that you find so offensive, that's what Paul's pointing out here, you wouldn't think to die for them. But your spouse, your child, 
a good friend, somebody that you would think to die for a very good person, for a maybe a very good reason, but the lowest of the low, no, that type of love is rare. And that's what Paul is pointing out here contextually. When was just the right time to die for you, just the right time to die for me at our very worst, not our best. He died for us. So he loves you at your worst. Surely he loves you now. Like I said, 2020 kicked us all in the pants. It kicked me in the pants. I had to go through a whole process of journaling over different situations and different hurt and different elements of restoration. And the way I started the process in my, in my mornings with Jesus is I started the process by putting the focus and the attention on me. And I sat down and journaled my deepest, darkest sins. Anything I could think of from my lifetime, I journaled, I put bullet points of all the stupidest, most awful things I have ever done and got to the point where I was just like, I am a worthless piece of crap, capable of anything. And then said, as I journaled, but God, rich in mercy, that my sin is but a puddle in the ocean of your love. That's where I started the process. And then I went on to journal about some things that are just between me and God. And got to the end where I was writing all the things that I was learning about forgiveness through this process. And, that, and through this process, here are some things that I wrote in the, back of, in the back of my journal, just lessons that I never want to forget. One, that God is quick with forgiveness. Two, that the gap between my goodness and the person who wronged me is not nearly as vast as the gap between me and God, yet he forgives wholly, completely, graciously, and quickly. My God says, you sorry? Yep, here's the kingdom. <laughs> that simple. My God says, my, God has forgiven. He has loved me before I even knew or understood my sin. His list of unforgivable sins is a whole lot shorter, thankfully, than my self-righteous list of sins. One of the thoughts that got me was, a Pharisees hated sin in people. Jesus hates sin but loves people. Forgiveness flows from love. Be like Jesus. These are lessons that I started to learn from, from one starting point. At my worst, Christ reached in. It wasn't once we pulled our life together. It wasn't once we got clean it's not once you stop cursing. It's not once you understand what God says about sex. It's not once you start attending church not, or once you start reading your Bible. It's you, needle in the arm, curse word on your tongue, blown finances at the casino. God is reaching in and says, I want you. I forgive you. Amen. And that love is an incredible benefit of peace with God. My question is, are you willing to extend it to others? One of our values as we grow in our walk with Jesus, as we grow in our, our, our relationship with Jesus, is pray for one. The question we ask is, uh, who are you helping to know Jesus? And, and there might be people that you're like, I want, I want my son or my daughter, my cousin, my nephew. There might be the person that I work with. But what about the low life that you think would never come to Jesus? That you're like, they are too far gone. Are you willing to pray for them? Why? Because I know, because I am proof that my God specializes in too far God. 
and I have his love. And are we willing to extend it to others? The fourth benefit that I want us to see through this text is the benefit of harmony. Peace is yours if Jesus is yours. The fourth benefit is the benefit of harmony. Since, therefore, we have been justified by his blood, how much, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if we were enemies who were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice in God through, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, this word reconciliation is not a word that we use all the time, not a word that we're completely familiar with. So when I Google it, here's what it means. The restoration of friendly relationships. That when we were born, we were at war with God. We didn't have friendly relationships with God. That needed to be restored. That needed to be reconciled. We need to go back to good terms with God. This is a relational term. But it's also mentioned in the past tense. It's a done deal. It's a, you have already been reconciled. What? If you place your faith. In Jesus Christ. You have the restoration of, of a broken relationship now being made right. Now you're back to friendly terms with God. So if something brought a lack of peace, if something brought war, peace means that something needs to be made right. And for you and I, that means that there was wrath meant for us that Jesus took upon himself that brings us back to friendly relationships a friendly relationship with God Almighty. Reconcil reconciled is, is, living for, is, is, is living a long life, anticip not anticipating wrath. Re reconciliation is, is that we anticipate standing before God and being ushered into eternity because of his son. That's harmony and that is peace. Let me illustrate it this way. Josh, can you come up here and hold this up high? You're the tallest person in the room, uh, at least to my eye. Just hold that up high for me because you're going to be God above. Uh, Ava, come here and hold these two for me. Just more at like chest level. Boom, thank you. Gianna, get up here. Uh, can you hold these two? Uh, same same space as, as Ava. Thank you. Alex, come on. You're not left out. Uh, Alex, come here. Hold this. Again, at, at, at chest level. I think these are things that, that we look for peace on, on planet Earth. That we're trying to, to find this. And, and at times, like when these things are good, we feel good with God. We are at peace. We are at harmony. We have the, the feng shui or whatever that, that thing is called. We're good. My health is good. My religious activities are good. My money is good. My friends, my relationships, my family, my position, my power, my job. Those things are good. Hey, are you and God good? Well, yeah, me and God are good. Look at all these things. I'm at peace with God. Until any one of these areas go to crap. And then the God that we've neglected, because these things have been good, all of a sudden we'll, we feel back at war with. All of a sudden we feel like, oh, where did my peace go? God, don't, don't you see me? God, did you forget about me? One of my religious activities is that I, I walk with my dog in the morning. We go on a prayer walk. I journal. I like to see the sun rise. My dog is fat and someday he will die. I'm going to have to bury his fat body. Does that mean my God doesn't love me? Does that mean that I no longer have peace with God? 
50% of divorces inside, 50% of marriages inside and outside the church end in divorce. So can, can marriage be all that is all with peace with God? Because what happens when life happens? What, what about my friends? Like I have my squad. I have my tribe. I have a whole bunch of good friends. How many of us have ruined a friendship over one bad look? How many of us, was it one bad text message taken out of context? One thing that blew up the whole thing. And now all of a sudden, peace with God. We try to take these areas and define peace these way, and we try to throw peace up to God, throw peace up to God, throw peace up to God. But my God who created gravity says, peace doesn't flow from earth to God. Peace flows down, down. My God, who created gravity, says, peace comes from me, Jesus Christ. Peace comes this direction. And yet we're trying to throw it all up to him and define him according to earthly terms. He said, you want to know peace? I sent my son to die for you. Stop looking to these things for peace and start looking to Jesus to know peace. Start looking to Jesus to know peace. And these areas will all blow up at some point in our lifetimes. All of these areas will blow up, and yet you still have peace. All of these areas will blow up some point, and yet you still have peace with God, even in the midst of hardships. You guys can kind of put those down, and Van, I guess you can get into position and whatnot. This is a matter of direction. Are we looking to Jesus to infuse our lives with hope? Are we looking to life to infuse us with hope? There's only one way to find eternal hope, eternal peace, and it's through the person of Jesus Christ. The conversation on peace starts and ends with Jesus. And so I'm going to ask there right now if there are anybody that has never said yes to peace with God. You've looked to all of these areas for peace and you've never found it. Life has turned upside down at some point. Life has a way of leaving us disillusioned. But when you understand peace the way God defines peace, you will never be disillusioned. And so I invite you just now to say yes to eternal peace with God. Would you pray with me, God? I thank you for this moment. I thank you for those viewing online. I thank you for those in this room. Father, I thank you for those, Lord, in maturity that understand life will truly happen. And yet at the same time, you have overcome this world. Lord, I thank you for the hope that Christians have, not of a better eternity or a better tomorrow, but of a much better eternity. And Lord, right now, as men and women have maybe woken up today still at war with you, they've never raised the white flag of surrender. Lord, I pray that right now, in this moment, through this experience, through this this time, wrestling through your word, Holy Spirit, would you do what you can do only and bring people to your son to raise the right flag and say, I surrender, and through surrender, find peace. And if that is you, Pray something along these lines. God, I am sorry. I've been at war with you. I am wrong. I have sinned. I've not been perfect. I understand that your perfect standard has not been met by me. I understand that your wrath is meant for me. I trust 
that Jesus lived perfectly in my place. I believe this day I put faith in the fact that he died in my place, canceling the debt hanging over my sin. Today I choose to boast not in my life, but to boast in the life of Jesus who grants me life. Jesus, you are mine. And so your peace is my peace. And I thank you for it. In your name, amen. If you prayed that, please email I said yes to wellspring.one or fill out a link. Or if you're in this room, see an aisle host. We want to continue that relationship with you. We want to be a part of that journey. Peace with God has all of those benefits. Peace is yours if Jesus is yours. Four great benefits. Access, hope, love, harmony. We are born at war, but we don't have to die at war. All are born at war, but not all have to die at war. Peace is a benefit now. The battle is really over. And so to my younger Christian friends, whether younger in age or younger in just the years that you've been a Christian, stop treating peace like a fickle thing. Lynn did not post that video like a hippie saying, peace, 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 peace. She's a mom looking at her son and then looking to her father and finding peace in the midst of unrest. Peace is best understood in situations like Lynn describes where she grew to know the peace of God when reminded of it in the brokenness of this world. And so my challenge to you before we close with a, a closing song and closing time of worship, my challenge for you this week, we, we mail out, email out a, um, a reading plan every, every new series that we do. And so the five passages this week all deal with peace. Here is my challenge. I want you to be reminded this week of the peace that is yours in Christ Jesus. And so my challenge is that you would take that reading plan, we'll email it out, you can email me, I'll send it to you, whatever it might be, or talk to your ministry leader, your life group leader, whatever, get it. My challenge is this. Read the passage, it will take you two minutes, literally two minutes, and then I want five minutes of silence. It will be the longest five minutes of your life. And to the moms in the room or the dads in the room, you're going to look at me and be like, Jason, you're high as a kite. I don't have five minutes. And just imagine if we were having that conversation, I'm thinking, I'm a parent too. You're full of crap. This is possible. All right? Just know I'm thinking that in love. In love. You can take seven minutes. Two to read and five. Not to fill the noise with your phone. Not to fill the noise with your kids. Not to fill the noise with talking at God but just silence as you reflect on the peace of God that is yours in Christ Jesus. Let's sing.